L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Amini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, it's a real enchanted evening with some sexy rendezvouses, rende- rendezvous? rendezvouses, and scandalous trysts. From the loudest fishy lovemaking in the world to amphibians having a ball. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, what does Ed Gein and marine biologists have in common? Joining me today is friend of the show, host of the upcoming podcast Heidi World, The Heidi Fleisch Story, which is coming to iHeartRadio this year, and also frog appreciator Molly Lambert. Welcome! Hello! Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back on Creature Feature. Yes, yes. I am having you back because you wanted to talk about frog balls, uh, the balls of frogs, that is, which we will talk about at the end of the episode. Very exciting. And also the rest of the episode, I'd say, is a little bit risque. Uh, We're definitely going to quack out our curse words. But, you know, if you have young ears that you don't want to know about, like the lovemaking of fish, dolphins and frogs, you know, just consider that's what we're talking about. (laughs) First, we're going to talk about the loudest, one of the loudest underwater sounds in the world. And this is due to a mass fish love fest. So... There are obviously a lot of problems when it comes to overfishing. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for fish populations. It's bad for populations of animals that survive on fish. And, you know, it's also bad for animals that get caught in fishing nets, bad for coral reefs. It's terrible. But perhaps the worst thing is that it is killing the vibe for these giant fish orgies. So... The Gulf Corvina is a fish found in the Gulf of California between Baja, California and Mexico. And, you know, they're sort of just a regular looking silver fish. They're not 
too exciting. Um, kind of just you're a very archetypical looking fish. They can grow up to be about a meter or three feet long and up to about 12 kilograms or 26 pounds. They eat crabs, sardines, and other small marine mammals. There's really nothing too special about them until you consider their mating habits because it is, it's loud. It's loud and wild. It's it's wet. It's wet, wild, and wonderful. Exactly. It is a wet and wild kind of fun going on with a mass spawning event of millions of these Gulf Corvina fish. And yeah, they do not keep quiet about it. Males actually have a mating call. Do you really, like when you think about fish, you don't really think of them as having mating calls, right? That's like a bird's thing. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Everybody's got to have a little noise that helps them find people to make out with. Right, yeah. I mean, I like sort of to do a classic siren, just like boop, boop, and then hope, you know, someone sees that like, hey, you know, that's that's my that's my call, you know, car alarm. Boop. Yeah, there. Perfect. That's I mean, I think that's how I found my husband. So, you know, it's a it, it's a real winner of a call. And indeed, these Fish have a beautiful, alluring, sexy, and sensual call. And I'm going to play it for you. Try not to, like, dive into the ocean to romance one of these fish. Wow. Sensual. It is sensual. I mean, I like it. I find it kind of like a cat purring. It's comforting. I'm a strong and sensitive Gulf Corvina, and I will inseminate your eggs kind of kind of vibe. So imagine that call, which is already pretty loud, times a million, because there are millions of these males making this call at the same time. In fact, it's so loud, you can hear it outside the water and through the holes of ships passing near the area. It's one of the loudest sounds in the sea, only beaten by sperm, blue, bowhead, and fin whales. And in fact, each individual fish has a mating call of 177 decibels, which is louder than a chainsaw and can actually damage the hearing of other marine animals underwater, which I do feel like if you're a sea turtle and you're going to like the sea turtle doctor and you're like, yeah, my hearing has been, I've been getting tinnitus and it's been bad lately. It's like, well, why have you been going to rock concerts? It's like, no, it's just. You know, listening to fish sex, you know, a little embarrassing. Hey, you know, you're into what you're into. That's true. I really shouldn't kink shame sea turtles. I need to like cross stitch a thing to hang in my office so that I can see like do not kink shame turtles so that I always remember. Unfortunately for these fish, these loud mating calls are a great way for fishing boats to find the fish and they will fish them en masse, which is really uncool, speaking of kink shaming, and these poor fish are just trying to get down and funky with it and it's they're being real real spawn blockers. I, I think it's, I mean, maybe the ultimate party foul is like trying to fish you while you're trying to flirt with other fish. You know what I mean? Oh. Speaking of fishy mating, there is another species of fish that 
has a pretty large impact on their environment, and it is salmon. Molly, are you familiar with the mating cycle of salmon? Um, is that when they swim upstream? Yes, exactly right. The spawn? Yes, exactly. Then yes, a little bit. <laughs> and I watch, um, I love to watch the explore.org bear cam. Nice. Where all the salmon are swimming and the bears just try to like fish them out of the water. It's the most soothing thing. Do you ever watch that? No, but I want to now. It's bear Oh, I'm going to send it to you. It's so, it's incredible. Explore.org is this incredible website. I talk about it on every podcast because I'm obsessed with it. It's just nature cams, live cams, but they're nature. And so one of them is a feed of a, a river in Alaska. And it's just bears, Eating bears fish. and salmon. That's amazing. I love it and I want it's incredible. it. I, I put it on all the time when I just like need to relax and don't want to watch something like narrative. That's I mean, there's a narrative. Well, yeah, the narrative is a cute, fuzzy bear getting a delicious snack of dying spawning fish, which is I think gonna that be right. my new favorite bedtime bedtime show to watch. That sounds incredibly relaxing. I guess unless you're you kind of identify with the salmon, then it's sort of more of a horror situation. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I, I love watching bears just <laughs> just pulling fish out of the water. It it just looks uh, so satisfying oh my God. and fun. Having the time of their lives, just watching like a group of teenagers descend upon a sizzlers right exactly just just chilling yeah all right i sent you a link it's actually i guess it's off season right now because it's winter so they but they have a greatest hits reel of course thank you so much i like to think that the greatest hits are just some salmon getting decapitated in the bear looking so happy yeah for every sort of dark turn that nature takes it's there's also an adorable side to it for every like antelope that's ripped open there's a cute little lion cub you know chewing on its duodenum so anyways salmon yes you're correct molly they do spawn they do go upstream they are anadromous which means that they spend their adult lives in the saltwater ocean and then to spawn they swim up into freshwater streams where their young will hatch, and then the young salmon will migrate back out to the ocean, which is a really fascinating life cycle. It's unusual for fish to be able to transition from saltwater to freshwater and back. But even more interesting is that salmon are architects of the river environment. So fish mating often involves external fertilization. So the female will lay her eggs and the male will pass over the eggs, release his sperm, fertilize them externally, and then, hey, presto, you're done. Which, you know, it's efficient at least. Maybe not all that intimate, but definitely efficient. Hey, efficient can be intimate sometimes. If you're on the go, gotta get it in. Streamlined intimacy. So, Basically, once the eggs are fertilized, the male's job is somewhat done, but the female will continue to do a little bit of parental care for these eggs. So she will lay her eggs in a little trench that she's dug, and the male will fertilize it, and then the female will actually bury the eggs in rocks, which, you know, she's sort of artfully placing these rocks so she's not crushing the eggs. 
So this will protect them. And this is called a red, which I think is because there's like an Irish word, red, which means to make something ready. So basically, you know, she tidies up this area, covers the eggs with rocks, and then she will protect them for 10 days and then die because they are similparous, meaning that they spawn once and then die in a beautiful, beautiful cycle. It is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, just like all these sort of zombie salmon, uh, like they, the stress of spawning is so intense and they use up so much energy that their immune system kind of fails and they just start falling apart even while they're still alive. So they look like a bunch of zombie fish uh, and they use their last act to try to try to protect their their young eggs. So, you know, who doesn't love a zombie fish? The act that the female takes in digging up these trenches to protect her eggs actually has a massive impact on the environment. So the digging up of sediment and the movement of the rocks are thought to have uh, a big impact on the river system. She is actually releasing small rocks and sediment into the current of the water that can pick these up and away, which exposes more bedrock to the power of the water, which can cause more uh, erosion. And even though it may not be a really strong effect for a single fish during one mating season, researchers have actually modeled this behavior and scaled it up to millions of years and found a significant impact on shaping the terrain. Uh, there was a paper called Sex That Moves Mountains, The Influence of Spawning Fish on River Profiles Over Geological Timescales, which... You know, I really do appreciate when researchers try to make their titles sexy. And I think it is charming. Charming's not really the word. Awe-inspiring that salmon sex can terraform the earth. Like, what has Elon Musk done lately? I don't think the same can be said for him. Absolutely not. It's, I think, like, that could be sort of a response to whenever Elon Musk starts crowing about... Uh, terraforming Mars or whatever. It's like, well, salmon terraform Earth just by having sex. So, you know, call me when you do that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. 
Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So now we're going to move on to some mammalian romance, but we are staying in the water because we're talking about dolphin mating habits, which... When you think about it, it's a little strange. Typically, mammals will mate outside of the ocean, and our biology is not really suited for submerged mating, whereas dolphins have some interesting adaptations to manage this. But there's a problem in terms of research because it's actually pretty difficult to conduct research on the mating habits of large marine mammals because they're under the water and they're big. So uh, it sounds kind of like it'd be obvious to know like the mechanics of sex with dolphins, but it's actually pretty, uh, pretty difficult, pretty tricky to, uh, you know, monitor without being a huge pervert and as we'll talk about soon like all the ways in which they try to study dolphin sex just makes them seem like serial killers there are a few necessary adaptations that dolphins have to have for sex underwater because salt water is actually a spermicide So they need to make the uterus waterproof. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to have a successful copulation because the salt water would immediately destroy any of the male sperm. So female dolphins actually have these very convoluted vaginal canals with a lot of folds in it and a mucosal lining that protects the entrance of the cervix. Yeah, they're like... Kind of accordion shaped. It's wow, like a duck, kind of. Yeah, kind of like a duck. They're not exactly corkscrew shaped like ducks are. For those of you out there who have not had the privilege of hearing about uh, duck genitals, the males have corkscrew shaped penises, and the females have corkscrew shaped vaginas. In sort of a arms race for the females to try to have more control over whose sperm she allows uh, to uh, fertilize her eggs. So 
dolphins have sort of a similar situation, but it's made more complicated by the fact that they need to make sure that the salt water doesn't enter the uterus and kill the sperm. And male penises for dolphins are not weirdly shaped. I mean, I guess they are in the general sense, but they're not like a corkscrew shape like ducks are. So the folds actually in the female dolphin's vagina are surrounded by muscles that may be able to essentially seal off the entrance to the cervix to prevent salt water from reaching it, which has this sort of side benefit or even a a major benefit of potentially allowing her to control whether the sperm ever reaches her cervix. So giving her sperm choice control over insemination. Wait, so she can just like get a bunch of sperm in there and then just like like close off the chute? That is the theory, yes. I don't think that that's conclusively known. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of instances in the animal kingdom of females exerting this sort of reproductive choice where they're able to control whether the sperm actually reaches their eggs or, you know, whose sperm they use. Uh, They can like save different sperm packets and it's really interesting. And so I think it is like for, especially for megafauna, something big like a dolphin, it is really interesting to see this kind of uh, possible reproductive choice that the female dolphins are able to use. But to even understand the mechanics of dolphin sex is really difficult. You can try to like go underwater with some cameras, but that's not going to help you understand all that much. Uh, There are these techniques that researchers can use for really little critters like insects where they can flash freeze them with liquid nitrogen during mating and then basically be able to like cut them open and see how their genitals interlock. Ah. Yeah. It's a real real Ed Gein territory here. I guess I should issue sort of a warning that it's going to get worse from here on out. We're we're, ta- we're this is like serial killer Ed Gein body parts horror. So if you don't want to listen about that, you know, maybe maybe skip the next the next section. It's like dolphin serial killer horror, which is even scarier. Yeah, they've got the perfect horror movie scream of just going ee the whole time. But uh, so researchers have to rely on the frozen body parts of dead dolphins in order to study the mechanics of mating. So they'll use frozen dolphin genitals of a variety of species to recreate mating by artificially inflating the male's penis and then trying to fit it into the the frozen uh, vagina and then doing a CT scan to document this unholy abomination that I don't understand how, you know, the FBI hasn't just like burst down their door. Sorry, I was just like, I don't have it. I'm trying to think of a joke and I'm just like, ah. I know. It's just, it is just kind (laughs) of horrifying. It's just kind of horrifying. It's like, I get that it's research and I'm fairly certain the researchers are good, normal people because I've never met 
a nasty marine biologist, but god damn, you guys. Like, whoever wrote that grant must be a genius because how you write that without getting arrested, I have no idea. It's like, yeah, we're, we're looking for some government funds. Um, well, basically what we've done is we've frozen a bunch of dolphin penises and vaginas and we're just... We're just going to kind of put them together like Legos. Oh, okay. You know how you do that. <laughs> you know. So we're going to we're going to need a grant for that. Yeah. No, that's it's a, uh, you know, science is fascinating. It's absolutely incredible. Uh so, you know, if you got to if you got to sometimes mash some like dolphin popsicles made out of their genitals together in the name of better understanding their biology. I, I guess I guess it's cool, you know? It's all right. Well, so through this research, they actually found that different species of dolphins seem to have different interlocking shapes, if that makes sense, which seems to indicate that there's different levels of sex-based competition where in some species they're very competitive so the females are kind of have evolved a, a vagina that is able to thwart male insemination more whereas other species they don't have those kinds of mechanisms so it's really interesting to see how you know we think about animals competing maybe in terms of food or competing against other species or competing for a mate. But there's also competition involved when it comes down to basically who gets to decide um, what, you know, what goes on during reproduction and uh, whose sperm you get to use. And there, there are even animals that'll co collect sperm from different males and you know use which one is the strongest. And it's, re it's really interesting and, and, Obviously, also really sometimes disturbing when researchers have to pick through frozen, frozen dolphin wieners. Just the mental image, I think, is enough for me right now. Yeah. Well, I'm. You're lucky. You only have a mental image in researching this. I found a slideshow that was at like a lecture of just a bunch of different, like animal uteruses, and I wish I hadn't seen that. Ugh. I wish you hadn't seen it, too. Thank you. I appreciate that. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, 
I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so now this is your favorite topic, Molly. We're going to talk about toad sex balls. And I'm talking about not like toad... Uh, testicles. I'm talking about big balls of toads all having a good time? Question mark? You actually uh, talked about this on a previous episode where I had you on, I think on the uh, Squid Games episode, right Molly? Yes, that's right. And uh, you were sort of saying you think that there are these uh, toads or frogs that form these big sort of mosh pit balls of sexual activity and indeed you're absolutely right uh first one that we're going to talk about is the western toad which is found all along the west of america so that's canada the u.s and mexico and the western regions it's this inconspicuous little green and brown toad it grows about two to five inches long which is six to thirteen centimeters it's found in forests, meadows, and bogs, and it seems like a pretty vanilla toad. Again, doesn't seem that interesting when you're just looking at this little toad, but it's actually what is known as an explosive breeder, which means that they mate in huge flash mobs during breeding season. So usually it happens right after it rains. Uh, they like to breed in aquatic environments like ponds, calm rivers, or springs. And so like when the conditions are right, when the mood is right, there's just this explosion of mating activity, which is complete chaos. I love it. I learned about mating balls, I think, because um, I would just get really mad at like evolutionary psychology people, which is like... Well, it's used always for like men's rights type stuff. So there mm -hmm. was all this stuff always about like, well, men have to like spread their seed to the most, <laughs> you know, people possible because that's like what nature does, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, yeah, guess what else happens in nature? <laughs> like, yeah, a lady frog fucks like a hundred dude frogs to collect all their sperm or like a lady dolphin fucks all the dolphins and then like decides which dolphin she wants like they all used it to frame it as like male selection chooses everything, you know, and I was like, actually, it's all chaos. And also the idea 
even mammalian creatures would reflect like human sexual behavior. It's also just like not necessarily. And also it's not that scientific. Like people are different from each other too. You know, some frogs want to fuck all the frogs and some frogs just want to one frog at a time. And some frogs don't want to fuck any frogs at all. You know, that's what, that's what makes it. Uh, life beautiful they are not necessarily very picky about what they are trying to hump uh, as we'll talk about soon but no I, I do completely agree with you i get i get frustrated with pop evolutionary psychology i studied both psychology and evolutionary biology which i always say in my intro but what's interesting is like i could by studying sort of the separate disciplines it was like there's very clear distinctions to me about what you can infer through evolutionary adaptations, the path of evolution versus an individual psychology. Obviously, psychology in general, like our our brains and our physiology is a result of evolution, but to try to pin a thread from a specific behavior and wind it all the way back hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago to some path in evolution is extremely difficult. And anyone making that claim, just suspicious. And I think it's also socialized. I think I think it's like even like there was some study, I think it was bonobos, but just about how different tribes of monkeys acted had different behaviors and that were based around like what other mm-hmm. tribes of monkeys. Oh, that's like, absolutely you know. true. Yeah. And so I think also it's like, like people who are really into Evo psych and just being like, this is hardwired. This is how it is. It's like, well, it's also socialized. And like, yes, if you ignore how, how much everyone is socialized, especially socialized into like sexual identity and, and roles and stuff like that. And you're just like, you know, cavemen have to hunt. Like also like the hunting and gathering thing isn't true. I just, I'm, this is my, my platform. I'm big on this topic. You're preaching to the choir here. Monkeys and other apes do definitely have culture in, in my humble opinion, based on how different, different groups, uh, different troops of primates will have different behaviors. Like there are specific types of tool use and communication methods that they'll use, even different groups of like cetaceans, which are whales and uh, dolphins will have like different dialects. So yeah, culture, like socialization is really important in terms of uh, behavior, which is true both in humans and in animals. It's always wild to me when people try to point to nature for some kind of like socially conservative norm because they very rarely know what nature is actually up to, which is some real freaky stuff. So, um, which we're going to talk about now. So the next time like someone tries to say like, oh, this isn't natural or whatever, remember the Western toad because they like to form giant sex balls uh, where they're all just trying to hump each other and indiscriminately. So because they have this, what's called an explosive breeding event, the males obviously are trying to find a female and they unfortunately don't have a mating call. So they have to be very active in trying to find 
a female. And as friend of the show, Greg Polly, who I've had on before to talk about herps, uh, herpetology, uh, who is a curator at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles, has described these male toad mating strategies like this, quote, they basically jump on everything that seems reasonably toad-like. So the male toads have a high rate of um, sort of misfires here. So they'll try to jump on clumps of mud, random garbage, other male toads, And actually, male toads have a special chirp that they use to signal other males that like, hey, I don't actually have eggs for you, bud. And this is the chirp, which you can hear if you pick up one of these toads, which I don't recommend. But this is what it sounds like. So that is the call for let go of me. I do not have eggs. The way these big mating balls form is that competition for females is really fierce. As I said before, these toads aren't very bright when it comes to finding a female. So once someone finds a female, it can lead to this domino effect of other toads trying to jump on the bandwagon. And it just creates this mating ball which sounds like a real bad deal for the female. And I suppose it is, but females do have a choice in who they actually mate with. So the way that mating works is that the females will release a string of eggs that the males release sperm onto. So it's external fertilization. Yeah, just like with the salmon. And so they like squeeze out this string of eggs that are connected by this very thick mucus. So it's kind of like this conveyor belt. And the male attaches himself to the female by holding on to her, not so that they can have any internal insemination. It's so that he is right there, ready to fertilize the eggs as they come out. Sort of like, you know, that scene in I Love Lucy where she's trying to get all the candies in her mouth, except that Lucy would be a male toad trying to inseminate the candies. Is this metaphor working? Oh, it's working perfectly for me. I'm following uh, exactly. Great, good. I'm a very good science educator. So yeah, uh, so the female doesn't have to release her eggs if she doesn't want to uh, for these males. So uh, sometimes if she's nonplussed by the male, doesn't want to mate with them, she'll just scrape them off like against a tree root. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes what you got to do when you've got a clinger. This uh, is actually not the weirdest amphibian sex out there. There is a frog sex death cult in the Amazon, which is another free band name. Enjoy that, everybody. The Amazonian rainforest frog, Ranella proboscieta, is a small, rusty brown leaf-shaped frog, which is usually under an inch long. It's less than 55 millimeters. Wow. I love a leaf-shaped frog. Yeah, they're cute and they're kind of pretty and innocuous looking, which is why it's so shocking to find out that they are in a froggy sex death cult. Um, That's, I really shouldn't do that. I need some water. But 
the males, just like with the western toad, will form these mating balls, but they get so intense and heavy, they will sometimes drown other frogs that are in this ball, including the females. But even worse is that it doesn't stop these little perverts from trying to successfully mate. So some of the frogs will actually squeeze the dead females like a tube of toothpaste to extract the eggs so he can fertilize them like an absolute little freak, which is just, they look so innocent. And then again, boom, they're like little Ed Geens, little horrible monsters. I just think they're neat. Seems (laughs) cool. (laughs) That is... An interesting response to, you know, frog sex death cult. But hey, you know, I guess all all of nature should be appreciated in its uniqueness. Before we go, let's move on to the Guess Who's Squawkin' Mystery Animal Sound Game. So last week, uh, I played a sound for you. You guys tried to guess it, as I do every week. Um, and the hint for last week was... If you think this is a bird or a dog, you're barking up the wrong tree. In fact, you shouldn't be looking in trees at all, but in burrows. So, Molly, do you have any guesses for who is making that sound? Um, maybe like a meerkat? Mm. That's my guess. Meerkat or a groundhog? That Those are good guesses. Actually, I had some other listeners guess prairie dogs and meerkats. I also got guesses like foxes or badgers. All really good guesses. But only one person got it right, and that was Sarah N.C. with the answer, Barking Gecko. So congratulations, Sarah. Good guessing everyone else. So Barking Geckos, or P. garrulous, like their name implies, like to bark. And they do not sound like geckos, do they? They kind of sound like some little little rodent or mammal. Wow, yeah, I thought it was going to be a little rodent. Yeah, yeah, but yes, they are geckos. They're found in southern Africa in arid regions. So in these kind of sandy areas where they dig these little sandy burrows, males will stick their heads out of burrows and bark, trying to attract a female to his burrow. He is both, he's a lazy coward and doesn't want to risk predation by going out to find a female himself. So he will make her come to him by making this little noise. But if the female likes him and mates with him, she will actually kick him out of his burrow and use it to raise their offspring. And he has to go off and dig his new burrow. So I guess, you know, everything evens out in the end with uh, these two. So now on to today's mystery animal sound. Here is the hint. This guy has a face that looks a bit like U.S. President Chester A. Arthur, but otherwise there's nothing American about him.
So, Molly, do you have any guesses? Wow. No. (laughs) (laughs) Something cool. Something cool. That's correct. It's something cool. But for a more precise answer, tune in next week where we will reveal who is squawking. If you out there think you know, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at CreatureFeetPod, that's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T, that's something very different. And on Instagram at CreatureFeaturePod. Molly, where can people find you? Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Molly Lambert and on Instagram at Molly underscore Lambert. And soon enough, you'll be able to check out Heidi World. Exciting. Looking forward to that. What's what's Heidi World going to be about? It's about Heidi Fleiss, who was a Hollywood madam who almost brought Los Angeles down um, and about why sex work needs to be decriminalized. That's amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, thanks for so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for coming on. And thank you to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.